0: Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast on team-building connections in a virtual world. I'm Bill Quinn, and today we're joined with Chris Littlefield, author of 75-plus team-building activities for remote teams. Welcome, Chris, and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us on building team connections in a virtual world.
1: Excited to be here, Bill, and Happy
0: New Year. I've recently had the pleasure of reading your book and really enjoyed many of your ideas. So we'll hop right into it. In this book, you quote Joseph Greeny saying that virtual teammates are 2.5 times more likely to perceive mistrust, incompetence, broken commitments, and bad decision-making with distant colleagues than those who are co-located. What advice do you have for leaders in a virtual workspace to combat that?
1: Well, I think the interesting thing, you know, specifically about that quote is that's actually from, I think that was published in an HBR article back in like 2016 or something. So that challenge was prior to the pandemic and prior to everything we were dealing with so it can only be even more complicated now and i think the most important thing to understand when it comes to that right is to first understand it's like why is it we perceive more mistrust and broken commitments with bad decision makers than people that are co-located and i think the thing that we have to keep in mind in that i always remember it's like you know when you write an email to somebody and then they don't respond and then they don't respond the next day and all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but my mind starts to spin like, did I say something offensive? You know, do they not care about my work? And when we don't have that visual of that other person, when we don't see, we don't interact with them, when we don't bump into them, it's really easy to fill in those gaps that would be filled in, in a physical office space with a whole lot of made up what's going on and perceptions, because we don't understand where that other person is when we don't see them. And now, specifically in the pandemic, even more so, when we're not seeing anybody at all, right, we have to be constantly aware that people have other worlds going on when the camera's off, right? And so I think that if we want to build that trust, if we want to, you know, build that relationship is we have to kind of fill in the gaps where that time that we would have spent when we are co-located is lost by creating and consciously building in time to connect as individuals as humans dealing with a pandemic, dealing with everything that's going on in, in our worlds, regardless of wherever we are in the world, to be able to build those relationships that allow us to understand that there's a human that I'm communicating with, not just a person on the other side of the screen.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Building relationships are really one of the main categories we need to do in order to, be, uh, to exist in a virtual workspace. So what can a leader do to assure successful activities to help build those kinds of connections?
1: Well, I think that one is we just have to have a fun, we have to have a fundamental mindset shift in how we think of our relationships. You know, if you, if you think about it and I know you, you know, we were chatting prior that you've been working virtually for a long time. And I think that that element is that when we are, when we're co-located with somebody, right, when we're in that same space, the majority of our relationship is built in between those meetings right when we're not talking about work right i worked for project adventure and outward bound running team building programs for a long time and i've been doing that in organizations virtually and in person for a long time now and i think that element is when we are when we are there in that physical space together That downtime is where a relationship gets built. And I only called the book team building activities because I knew people would be searching for team building activities, but it's really not about the activity. It's not about when we were in person about the ropes course. It's not about the game we're playing. It's about the fact that we're taking time to spend time together as human beings. And we're building that. It's not that you were up on the ropes course together. It's that you were doing something outside of the context of work to understand each other that the boss took time to listen and check in and i think that if we want to be running successful activities or to build and nurture these relationships then we have to connect with the whole person and make time for that that replicates or replaces that time that's been taken away that was in between those meetings so when it comes to you know running activities it's shifting to saying instead of just hopping on a call and saying, "Okay, how's everybody doing?" Check, I've checked in, and then moving on to work. Remembering that a check-in just can't be as simple as that, right? Is that and specifically now in the context of the pandemic and the, I call them the three P's: the pandemic, the protests, or the pol- and the politics. That everybody's dealing with over this last year is that hey we need to be checking in with people. I was talking with somebody you know uh, a few hours ago. He's like you know after what happened yesterday in D.C. He's like it's like you're getting on and you know that people are thinking about this and they're talking about it. We need to at least acknowledge that that happened, right? And so that element of like when we get onto our calls, want to build those relationships. It's not just about the activities. It's about recognizing that everybody's dealing with everything they're dealing with outside of of work, and acknowledging that whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the politics, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement, whether it's whatever's going on where people are located in the world, to acknowledge that people are dealing with that and addressing that. And those are just the things that we know that all of us are dealing with in one form or another. And then being able to ask about the stuff that we're not seeing. You know, I have a a family member that is dealing with some major health issues right now right and is is very critically ill right and knowing that that's when that's going on hey if unless i share about that nobody knows i'm dealing with that unless a manager asks about that nobody shares that about that and so i think that the first mindset shift we need to make when it comes to running successful activities is building the relationships where people want to participate in those activities with you by taking time to be an empathetic leader an empathetic coworker right from the start. And earlier this year, I I wrote an article in Harvard Business Review about how to be an empathetic coworker. And the the first step in that is constantly spending time to understand what people are dealing with when the camera's off, understanding what they're facing and knowing that that's changing all the time. And once I have that relationship, right, then people are going to be participating in the work dialogue and in the activities to keep on building our relationships as well.
0: Yeah, and interpersonal connections and relationships are critical to a successful team. Needless to say, the virtual workspace definitely makes that a little bit more of a challenge. What if any advantages do you feel a virtual workspace environment provides to the organization and the individual that a traditional setting would not?
1: Well, I, I think you know when I was when I was thinking about that question, right? Um, is I think one of the trade offs is who we spend time with during our transitions and downtime. You know, if you think about it, when we're in the brick and mortar, you know, in the onsite situation, that downtime is spent with our coworkers. And when it's virtual, we spend that downtime with our family. Who was I with five minutes before we got on? I was with my five-year-olds, you know, having lunch and with my wife. And I have spent more time with my five-year-old and wife. Then I never I would have normally do it. I work as a speaker most of the time, so I was I think I shared with you prior is that I did 120,000 miles in 2019, and last year I did five, and that's because I had a trip to the Middle East in Boston from Santiago, Chile, where I was living at the time, and so that was five thousand miles. But other than that, I didn't travel. So all of last year, I got to spend time with my wife and a daughter. Which hey, I don't want to spend that much time with anybody over this last year, but you know what? This year. I got to see that. I got to reconnect with my wife. All that stress and the majority of the stress that I had personally was getting my daughter dressed, getting her out the door, negotiating the car, getting my daughter to school each day, getting her dressed for school, getting her to class, where a lot of that stress is removed so that when I show up to work, I have not fought five battles before I got there. And so I think the benefit when it comes to working remotely is that people do get to connect with the people that they are working to support right so that family connection right that many companies try to nurture prior to the pandemic right and you know when they're in person we get to spend time with those people that we're supposedly working to support opposed to spending time away from them all the time right and in many times you know i've 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 been a part of a best place to work study for the last last three years and during that best place to work study right. One of the things that comes up every time is that, right, all of these organizations that are trying to nurture an amazing environment, one of the primary things that they're doing is trying to remove the barriers so people can live the lives lives that they want outside of work, right? And the challenge is now that we're in a remote environment, many people, it doesn't matter where they're located, right? And so that ability for people to live those lives, to be able to have To use that transition time, getting to and from work, to be able to do those activities that they love, to take care of themselves more, to spend time with family, to not have to work out additional childcare things so they can be in a physical place, that means that they get to use that time to do things that help them take care of themselves, that take care of their lives, that allow them to be happier so that they can show up and there's flexibility to be able to work. So one other advantage to working remotely is the ease of meeting. So I was doing an interview with somebody who works at Capital One, and he works on the tech side of it, and they had a uh, challenge. Some big thing came up and they had to fix something. Well, he was telling me, he goes, when we were working on site, it would have taken us an hour or two hours to get that group of people together in a meeting room. He goes, we would have had to book a meeting room, find a location, get everybody there to that same location so we could sit down and problem solve. He goes, when it happened this time, we sent a message on Slack, Everybody was in a virtual meeting via Zoom within five minutes. We resolved the issue in 15 minutes and rest it. He goes, the ability to get people together is just easier now because everybody's ready that if they're working, they can just show up. And so the ability to be able to do that is much faster now than it was before. Um, And then one last advantage, I think, of working remotely is many times there's more of a disconnect between our work and our personal lives, and we don't share it as much. But now. I don't know about you, but I've been in so many meetings now where someone's kid comes in to the call, and then I meet their child that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Right. I see the things that they've chosen to put in their physical space. I can see the band poster that's up on the wall or the guitar that's hanging, and it gives me things to ask about to build relationships that I wouldn't see if they were just in their office unless they chose to put it on their desk, right? And so We get a window into people's worlds and where they are and what they do. That we wouldn't get otherwise and we get to meet each other's families that that was not something that was normal prior because have it, organizing a bring your family to work day was a very complicated and very expensive thing and it gives us the ability to connect in that way where we couldn't prior
0: yeah and that really is fantastic i know that i've been with my company for uh 20 plus years since before my daughter was born and recently in a zoom meeting uh, some of my long-term co-workers understood that my daughter was home from college And actually asked me to go get her and put her on the thing because they hadn't seen her since she was a young child. So it was nice to see these people who knew her and heard all the stories of her growing up and interacting, uh, actually got to interact with her directly.
1: Well, and one amazing thing is that we never did it before. But, you know, one of the activities in my book is bring your family to work day. And regardless if your family is somewhere else around the world, you can still bring them now. You can have people show up and invite their family if they're in, the, if they're co-located with them into the same space, or you can actually organize something and invite people in virtually and all they have to do is have a connection, right? And, and one thing that, you know, we mentioned prior to hopping on today too, is that, hey, everybody now, one positive result of the pandemic is everybody is trained to meet virtually and, and almost to a fault because if you ask someone just to get on a call, they're like, you don't want to Zoom, right? It's like no. Just get on where we don't have to look at each other. We can walk around and look at other things and do the dishes and and all those other things. Sometimes it's refreshing to not always have the camera on, right? But everybody's trained, whether it's my 75-year-old mother um, to friends and family, or whoever, people know how to use it. My daughter knows how to, at five years old, knows how to start, stop, mute, and unmute, change the view on a Zoom meeting, right? At five, right? I hadn't even seen a computer at five years old.
0: Really just amazing. So uh, to that point, are there any tips you can give people that might help them f- facilitate meetings virtually when they're more used to the face-to-face interaction? You mentioned your 75-year-old mother who now knows how to use Zoom. You know What would you tell people to try to get them around the bases a little bit quicker?
1: Yeah, so I think that there's, a, there's one of just taking time to be first virtually self-aware of ourselves. Right. And I think we need to start out on that. And I wrote an article in Forbes about virtual self-awareness. And that's just part it's, you know, I was on a meeting with somebody and they literally had the camera up to their eye. I never saw the rest of their face for the whole meeting. It's really awkward. I was like, hey, your camera's a little close. Could you pull it back? And so I think that first part, you know, and I just ran a workshop with it. Or I'm going to be running a retreat for an organization. So I ran a little pre-workshop with the leadership team to just say, hey, let's get on. Here's how to put a backdrop up. Here's how to change your camera angle. Here's where you should be in the composition right here. You know, put your eyes in the top third, put some good light on you. And those basic skills just so that you're comfortable on there and people can connect with you because they can see you, right? And your sound is good and all those things. And then when it comes to, I think, facilitation, right? We just need to look at how do I work with what I have as resources? You know, how do I understand the tools and functions of our platform? This organization I was work with, you know, they've been using Zoom, but they never had once used a breakout room. Right. And when you have those features to understand all the features you have available to you and then think of how could I use those and thinking about where you're designing an experience. Many people think about designing an experience for our customers, but they don't think about designing an experience for our employees. So if somebody's getting into a meeting, right, can I start it out by just sharing some music when people hop on? You know, using the feature. And if you go into Zoom and you go into sharing, there's advanced sharing, they'll have basic and then advanced. If you click on that, you can share the audio from your computer. And so I will often start a meeting by playing some fun music in the beginning. So when people come on, all of a sudden it's like, okay, hey, there's music playing, right? And you bring that on and then you can actually use the music. If you have your music up there to play, name that tune and put a song and see who can be the first person to name who the actual artist is in the chat right there. Right, And then when you're getting on to check, one of my favorite checks is doing what I call a pulse check question. So instead of just asking people when they get on the call, just, hey, how's everybody doing? And knowing that nobody really cares or nobody thinks you care to really answer that question, asking a pulse check question like, hey, on a scale of of 1 to 10 right now, what's your energy level today? And then have people either put up on their hands, put the number into the chat if it's a large group um, or hold it up on a piece of paper. Right. And then have people explain why they picked the number they did. And is there anything they, the team, or you as their leader can do to better support them? And it's a way to just alternatively check in because not everyone can explain what's going on. Right. With them. And then you can ask them, Hey, how are you feeling a day ago? And just doing those, but, Hey, how are you feeling about what happened, you know, at the Capitol the other day? Right. Like, and then you just give you give a scale and then people can quickly really check up, check in on that and say, Hey, you know what, if anybody needs to talk, um, I can just let me know and I'll reach out to you later to check in, right? To be able to, to be able to signal to people, you know, another facilitation tip is just simply, you know, having something to start. It's, I, I always say that every meeting should start with connection before content and always finish with gratitude before goodbye, right? So that connection for content is always doing something in the beginning to connect as human beings before we go into the work content. And that may just be a welcome question. Like one of my favorite ones to ask is what were you doing five minutes before this call today? And the reason why I ask that question is largely we're all running from one thing to another. Like I shared a few minutes ago, what was I doing? Um, I was hanging out with my daughter who's in the other room and just got out of virtual school and she was having her lunch. And I'm sitting chatting with her actually at the same time cutting out puppets for a shadow puppet thing that she's building out of a cardboard box. Just We just got a couch and she turned the, the, the box into a shadow puppet thing. She'd been in a virtual workshop on that the other day. And so that's why I was doing five minutes before. And if I ask you, what were you doing five minutes before? I know that it, um, that uh, Dr. Rawlings was, was in another meeting before. And when we ask that question, we get present to the worlds that people are dealing with prior to getting on the calls, right? And it also lets us know, you know, what people are doing in their life. And so I think taking time to ask those welcome questions, do those pulse check questions. And another great facilitation technique that I love personally is, hey, if I've got 30 people on a call with me, if I ask everybody a question, then if we take time to answer them, that's going to use up our whole hour. So what I'll often do, you know, and I'll recommend to managers is put a bowl on your on your desk and print out the names of every single person on your team. Maybe you have five people, maybe you have 20 people that are normally in the meetings, and then put a second bowl on your desk. And so each meeting, okay, pick a question and then pick a name out and then ask that person to be able to answer it and then move their name to the next bowl right? So you know that they've answered a question. Then pick another name and ask that question. Then you pick two names every meeting to answer a question at random, and then move the names over. And then once you've gone through everybody, you shift the bold over the other side and go through it again. Now, another thing, like I said, is use the functionalities that you have available to you in Zoom, whether it's breakout rooms, Many people won't use those, right? If you have Zoom and I think I don't think Teams has it, but I uh, I think Teams should be should have gotten it last month. I don't know if it's there, if it's up and running or not. Now, but use those breakout rooms. Ask a question and then put people out so they get a chance to speak together for 5, 10 minutes one-on-one. Facilitate that interaction. You know, one great thing is that, you know, and especially for the organizations that, you know, have been virtual for a long time, is organize virtual meet and greets. You know, one of the activities in the book is is a cross-department networking event, where bring people onto a Zoom meeting, post a question, and then place them into breakout rooms together to be able to discuss and meet somebody new, or invite the boss into discussion for people to be able to ask questions. The one thing that I love about the pandemic is people are more available right now, right? If you're asking the boss to come in and join one of your meetings, That's a much different ask than then having to travel to a different location or three floors down or three floors up to build a 10-year meeting. So people more available say, hey, would you be willing to drop in for 15, 20 minutes for people to ask you questions because they've never met you before? Sure, why not? And do that. But just the option to be able to do things virtually just gives us a lot more flexibility. Right. And to use those breakout rooms, use those different facilitation tips. Oh, one other one that I absolutely love is camera off, camera on. Right. To use that feature, and in one, you test everyone's connection before you do it. But I'll, I'll do a lot of activities where I'll ask a question, and people that feel one way turn your camera on, people feel another way leave your camera off. One of my favorite games that, that I do right now is one that I call uh, Virtual Have You Ever. And this is in the book, and there's a series of questions in there. But Virtual Have You Ever, and this is a good one to get a laugh and just kind of share about the reality that we're living in, is, okay, I have everybody turn their cameras off, and then I'll ask a question like, uh, if you've ever hidden things under your desk to make your office look cleaner than it actually is, turn your camera on. And then people turn their cameras on, and they laugh because they know that everybody's got stuff hidden under their desk to make it look cleaner. then I'll ask a question like, okay, and have everybody turn their cameras off again and say, okay, turn your cameras on if you have um, ever completely forgotten about a meeting until someone called you to say, hey, are you joining? And you're like, yeah, I'm joining. I'm just getting something. And you completely played it off and lied about it and then hopped on the call like you knew it was happening all along right? And so just playing simple games like that to get some laughs, but then also connecting on a personal level as well to be able to build that relationship and build that connection because it's that connection, right? And that time to connect, laugh, play, and talk about what's really going on in our lives that triggers that empathy, that triggers that connection that helps us better take care of ourselves, feel understood, and also understand when that person doesn't email you back right away. It's not because they're pissed off or they didn't like what you said or you did, but you probably understand that they got three kids at home and they may not be able to respond until nine o'clock at night when their kids are finally in bed and asleep and they have an hour of headspace to be able to respond to that email.
0: Yeah, so very, very true. So we've talked a lot about tips and ways to make virtual activities better. For you personally, what is your favorite virtual activity as a facilitator or a participant?
1: well i think that you know one of the ones i just shared right there is the virtual have you ever is is a personal favorite um if i if i think of it really at the heart of it i my my favorite thing is questions right it's just simply a good question is going to bring you in a lot of different locations right is just asking that great question is going to draw out the conversation when it comes to games the one that i i've been running for a lot of organizations and really love right now is just organizing a virtual scavenger hunt and for me, what that looks like, I just ran this for a, for an all staff, uh, for a nonprofit up in Boston, we had 170 people. And what I do is I create that scavenger hunt and I'll send people everyone everyone's sitting at their computer. And so what I will, what I will create, and this is in the book, it's called Epic virtual scavenger hunt. And I will create a PDF with a bunch of links in it. And I will go on Google maps and I'll pick a random location on the map and I'll tell people, figure out where are you right now? I want you to go two miles over to the left. And what store are you in front of? Or go to Plox this way. And then ask questions with math problems and questions about things with people with kids like, hey, name the names of six pa- original Paw Patrol pups. And those parents who are at home who are putting their kids in front of Paw Patrol are going to know that answer. And that person who – those kids are in college aren't even going to know what Paw Patrol is. Right? And then ask a couple algebra problems, stuff like that, and have those teams work together and be able to answer those questions about the organization, about their missions, about their values, and have them running around figuring that out and playing and laughing together in small groups while they answer these questions. That's one of my larger activities that I think people really enjoy and have a good time with because they get to laugh, play, and then also putting photo challenges in there. Things like, hey, I want you to take a picture of all your team um, pretending to be the CEO on a virtual call, right? And that only works if the CEO has the, has the humor to be able to do that. But to organize something like that where people get to do something together, and in some of the ones I've, I've interviewed a couple organizations, another one I love is that people have gotten together for a lot of happy hours, but do those happy hours with a structure, have an activity around it because people sometimes don't have things to talk about all the time. So one other activity that I love that one organization that I, I interviewed, um, they were doing, I think it was an architectural firm or design firm. And they were just coming up with really creative themes for their team happy hours or they would have weekly team competitions. One of them was doing an art project where everyone had to recreate a famous piece of art with things from around the house, using themselves at the model for it. And some of the stuff that people created were just absolutely hilarious. One person has the Mona Lisa um, with a blanket over her head to look like she had black hair. Somebody with a towel. Somebody did a Salvador Dali, you know, recreation of the melting clocks. And it's just It's just creating ways for people to be able to use that creative aspect of themselves without ever getting there, without ever, you know, leaving their house, you know, cooking competitions and teaching other people to be able to cook recipes that they always cooked at home, you know, just finding fun ways to be able to connect in that way. Um, One other activity that I love to do, whether it's in person or remotely, um, which is what I call Houston sessions. And this is also in the book and a Houston session is, Hey, we are often struggling by ourselves to be able to deal with something. And I always say, you know, to clients I'm working with is if you're ever sitting with a problem for over three or four hours and not moving anywhere on it instead, stop right there. Think of all the things you've tried and then invite two other colleagues that you really respect their opinions to what I call a Houston session. As in Houston, we have a problem, right? And what you do in the Houston session, instead of just asking people, Hey, I need your input on this. What you do is you invite two people and say, I invite Dr. Rawlings and and Bill here. And I say, hey, I want to get your input on this issue. Here's the issue that I have. Here's the things I've tried already. Here's the things I'm thinking. And I would love your input. Can you give me your thoughts on this problem and what you would do or what questions you would ask me to help me get unstuck to be able to resolve this issue? And so I think just through all of this is just using a little bit of creativity, right? To be able to make these interactions and all we have to do is, Hey, we have a way to be able to meet right now. We have a way to be able to connect right now. So using that and thinking about it, not as a barrier to our connection, but as an opportunity to be able to connect in a way where people can be anywhere. You don't need to be in your house. So let's go for a, let's go for a walk together today for our virtual meeting and have our conversation via phone while we both walk our dogs or we go for a hike and we have a conversation. And so just using the physical space, using the technology, and instead of looking at it as a limitation, look at it as an opportunity that we can show each other different places, we can connect in different ways, we can bring other people into the conversation, and we can meet in ways that would have been complicated before and just an easier way now.
0: Chris, thank you so much for joining us in the support for the Center of the Advancement of the Virtual Organizations. I've enjoyed speaking with you. We truly appreciate your insights, and we know our listeners will benefit from your experiences.
1: It was a pleasure speaking with you today, and thanks for the opportunity to be able to, to connect with you and your audience and all these folks who have made a commitment to living powerfully inside this context, whether it was the pandemic or prior, and just creating a virtual environment where people can work from where they want to work and make a difference regardless of where they are.